today on It's Time. God, when I read your word, give me your wisdom that I can apply this to my life. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 2 Timothy. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. They see a piece of ground. They know that, hey, someday the town is going to move out this way. This property that's $5,000 an acre is someday going to be worth 50. I remember a couple of people came to my, 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 my dad had a friend named Verl. And he, he looked at Verl, uh, 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 these guys, and, and he, Verl came to my dad and said, Willie, I got this guy. He's an investor, and we can buy 40 acres in Nevada. We can buy 40 acres in Nevada for only like $2,000 for the whole 40 acres. And my dad says, well, where is it at? Well, it's currently where Tropicana and Las Vegas Boulevard are. It sells for about $2,000 a square inch. And I remember my dad said, Way out there? Now, you got to remember back uh, in the mid-50s, Twin Falls and Las Vegas were the same size. Nobody would believe that that would have ever gotten that big. But these investors saw that someday it would get that big. Needless to say, my parents didn't buy it. But the point is, is this. People see things differently. What we need to see is God's plan in the future for us today. Why is that? Because it will help you prepare for what God wants to do in your life. He says, But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. And we could spend probably a whole whole, uh, Sunday morning on each one of these. But uh, his doctrine... Where did he get his doctrine? Where did Paul get his doctrine? Well, people say, well, Paul made up the whole idea of the rapture. Have you ever heard that? I have. Well, really? Well, what about Enoch before the flood? The Bible says Enoch walked with God and God took him. You know, the idea of a rapture seems to be a little hearty-har. Well, all of a sudden, one day we're all here. There's a trumpet blast by Gabriel and we're all gone. Personally, I can't wait for that. And preferably before a root canal is scheduled. But we all look at this and we realize that God does that. Well, yeah, and that just... But no, all the way through the Bible, God was supernaturally transporting people around. Elijah, the Bible says, was taken up in a whirlwind like a fiery chariot. We find... uh, um, Philip had a thriving ministry up in Samaria. 
And God spoke to him and said, go down to the Gaza. Now that would be like somebody saying, go down to the Mojave Desert. You're right in the middle of a really great ministry. And so Philip went, and as he went down there, nothing's going on. This is the desert. Here comes a chariot through the desert. And God says, go join yourself to that chariot. And the Bible says he ran, Philip ran. And it probably, uh, probably uh, part of a jogger size. Or something. He ran and he met the chariot. And there was an Ethiopian guy that had returned from Jerusalem on his way back to Ethiopia, back to the African continent. And as he's going along, he's reading the book of Isaiah. And Philip is running alongside the chariot. Now, first of all, this has got to be like really weird to me. You're out in the middle of the desert. There's no one else around. And here's this dude running alongside my chariot saying, hey, do you know what you're reading? In fact, the Bible says that's exactly what he said. He tells the Ethiopian eunuch, do you know what you're reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch, interestingly enough, says, how can I? Unless somebody tells me what it's saying. And, he, and this is what's really weird. He commanded the chariot to stop. So in other words, that first part of that conversation was with Philip going, Hey, you, you know what you're reading? He goes, well, how can I unless somebody tells me? And he stopped the chariot. He reasoned within the scripture. They came to some water out in the desert. And he said, look, here's some water. Maybe it's a flash flood. I don't know how the water got there, but... He says, well, what keeps me from being baptized? And he says, well, if you believe with your whole heart, yeah, you can be baptized. They stopped the chariot. Philip baptized him. And when he come up out of the water, God snatched him away. And he was found over on the coast, over by Arizona. Now, what's weird is God has supernaturally been moving people around for a long time. The idea of the rapture of the church where, as Paul says in Corinthians, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the trumpet blast, will be transformed, will be changed. The dead in Christ will rise first. Now, why is that? Well, they get a new body. Their old one is rotted out, and you don't have to necessarily die to recognize that. <laughs> you know, our bodies are breaking down. You know that? Every day you get up and things you used to be able to do don't do quite like they used to. I watched this program yesterday, and it talked about atrophy in our muscles. This is a dirt road, so enjoy it. But he had, she had everybody stand up, and she says, okay, now walk with your legs stiff. And so it had this whole room full of people walking around like this. And he says, no, isn't it amazing? You're all walking like a bunch of old people. He says, you've got like 600 muscles in your body. And as you get older, if you don't exercise those, they start locking up. They, they atrophy. They, they, they just don't work anymore. And so you start walking like Frankenstein. So her whole thing was to be a bendy doll and stretch all that stuff out. And I think that's a great idea. But the point is, is that, is that our bodies are breaking down and we need a new one. Now to be absent from the body, Paul says, to be present with the Lord. And, and what he's saying there, when you die, your spirit goes right immediately to God. I don't believe anybody that's died in faith is lacking anything in heaven. But to rule and reign with Christ on this earth for a thousand years, we're going to need somebody. And this is what God does. Paul says those that 
are dead, they're going to be, their spirit is going to be reunited with their body, and they come up out of the ground. Then Paul says, those that are alive and remain in a moment, twinkling of an eye, you're changed. You get this new immortal body as well. All the things that were wrong with this one, you won't have in the next one. You're going to be right age. You're going to have everything's going to work right. You know, everything's going to, you know, it's not going to be like it was this time around. And the Bible says that's the way we'll be with him forever. Now, again, you're going to need a body when you rule and reign with him on this earth. I think that's why the placement of time. But as we look at this, he tells us we prepare for the future. And he says, you've seen my doctrine. Where I got, how this all works. Manner of life. I, I like that about Paul. He could have demanded money from the churches and had his Rolex and all those kinds of things and had his you know, big old Americanus Maximus out in the uh, Jerusalem parking lot, but he didn't. His manner of life, his purpose, and I get it, I think this is something all of us need to probably look at. What's our purpose for here? His faith, his long-suffering, love, perseverance. That's all good. I like that. That's good stuff. But here is what ain't so good persecutions, afflictions. Let's just mark this out of our Bible, okay? Because this just doesn't go along with the me crowd. Because I don't want to experience persecutions. I don't want to experience afflictions. But you know what? It's part of the Christian experience. And I'm not just talking about somebody peeling your Jesus bumper sticker off your car. I'm talking about where they get you fired from your job because you won't go along with the darkness of what everybody else is doing. Or as he says here, the other, the afflictions. How is it that because you love God and the devil will come to you at night at two in the morning and wake you up and say, if if God's God, how come you got these problems? Your friends that aren't Christians don't have these kind of problems. You ever had the devil do that? My hand's up. Why is that? Because you, as a Christian, if you are a Christian, you are a threat to the underworld. Always remember that. You see, you're the one that blows the whistle on the plan of the devil. Who would you attack? Would you waste your time on somebody that is of no threat? No, he says, persecutions and afflictions. And notice it goes right along with suffering, long-suffering, love, Uh, purpose of life, faith, afflictions. And he lists some of them. Which happened to me at Antioch, where he was thrown out of town. Iconium and Lystra, where he was stoned, and I don't mean with a bong. They were chucking rocks at him. In fact, at Lystra, it says, this is where they left him for dead. With what persecutions I endured. And out of them the Lord delivered me. Always remember this. God will deliver you. You know, it might look down, but you're never out. And though it may seem oppressed at the time, remember this. God will... And you know, somebody asked me one time, why does God do that? And all I can tell you is this. It's because where our dependency is. And if I have seen me down... 
and I see God grab me and lift me out of the muck and mire, I know God did it. First of all, nobody else would. And nobody else really wants to see you dug out of the muck and the mire. Why is that? There's something wrong with human nature, if you haven't noticed that. They love to see the person that's doing something get it, whether it's at your company, whether it's you, but they just love to see the guy in front get it. Well, that's what's wrong with our world today. So he says, the Lord delivered me out of them all. Yes, all... Here's this verse, verse 12. You might want to circle it, circled in my Bible. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Wow. Now, if this isn't a self-analysis verse, I don't know what is. Have you been suffering some persecution because of your relationship with Christ? If you have, right on. If you haven't, maybe you're not that big a threat. And so I would invite you today to be a threat to the underworld. How do you become a threat to the underworld? You arm yourself with God's word. You know what the game is. You know that people are perishing. You inject yourself into the mix to stop it. And the devil says, stop that person, whatever it is, stop him. Stop her because she is going to lead people to the kingdom. And so he says, but evil men, Now, evil men are just evil men, okay? They're just bad, all right? But it says, imposters. Those are the ones that look like they're Christians, but they're really not Christians. And and, and they do different things to hurt people. They do different things to cause problems. They, they, They look good, but they're not good. Think of Judas Iscariot. Again, that's some of the interesting things to me in that Last Supper story where Jesus is at the table, and he said, the one that betrays me is at the table. And the Bible says they all looked at one another saying, Lord, is it I? Is it I? Is it I? What's amazing to me is they didn't look at each other and go, mm-hmm, Judas. Judas was a stealthy dude. He had them all fooled. The Bible said he'd been stealing from their, all of their money for a long time. Probably today, if he filled out a resume, he'd probably be the first one to be hired over anybody else we find in the Bible. He was good with money. He was a great diplomat. He always considered the poor, I mean, the woman who poured the ointment on Jesus' feet, this could have been saved and, 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 and fed with the poor. And the Bible said it's not that he cared about the poor. said he'd been stealing the disciples' money. It was just more, more money to steal. Well, he says, but evil men, imposters, will grow worse and worse deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in the things which you have learned. By the way, this is called your foundation. And everybody needs to have one. Continue in the things that you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. And by the way, if there's not a better verse in the Bible, to teach children the Bible when they're young, I can think of none better than even this verse right here. The Holy Scriptures, since you were young, now here it is, which are able to make you wise for the salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Notice it says, the Scriptures are able to make you wise. I like that. You see what it says? That's how you get smart. 
Wisdom is the ability to apply what you know. But even in the wisdom of applying what you know, there has to be a vehicle, okay? You can have the biggest, raciest, fuel-injected, high-performance, fully-blown race car. But unless there's something that drives it, it will just set in the parking lot. What is the driving of the wisdom that we learn from the Scripture? Make you wise for salvation. And here it is, through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. So if faith in Jesus Christ is what gives you the putting it in gear of the Scripture. That's why I've had people come to me and say, Mike, I've tried to read the Bible. It looks like a phone book. I don't know if anybody's ever experienced that. My hand's up. Holy Spirit wrote it. Holy Spirit is needed to interpret it. And the Holy Spirit is needed to apply it in our life. So you want to always look, God, when I read your word, give me your wisdom that I can apply this to my life and that I will be able to be more about your business. He says this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God wants you to be equipped. He doesn't want you to go out like a firefighter in your, in your swimsuit. He wants you to have all the right gear on, the helmet, the jacket, all those things. God wants you to be equipped. Why? Friends, we're in a battle. And if you haven't been a Christian very long, In fact, the day you accept Christ as your Savior, you become very aware of this battle. The battle is real. The Bible tells us the devil, as a roaring lion, goeth about seeking whom he can devour. He's wanting to chew on you. And I believe that, again, as it says here, that we be equipped for every good work. Why is it? Well, first of all, two things. One, we're working for the king. Second of all, it proves what you are. Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. Look at the fruit in their life. Don't look at the gossip. Don't look at all that other stuff that goes around, the chatter and all that stuff. Look at the fruit. What are they doing for the kingdom of God? That's how you know if a real one's a real one or not. Why? Because there's imposters. And usually the imposters are the ones screaming the loudest concerning the real deal. Why is that? Because the real deal will always expose the imposter. The only thing the imposter could do is discredit the real article. That's what he wants to do. Be about your daddy's business. Let him equip you. As you read his word, realize the wisdom that God wants to pour into your life so that you don't get taken advantage of either either mentally, spiritually, or emotionally. By the way, friends, we're composite beings. And if any one of those lack, it hurts, doesn't it? So God wants to equip all of us to be about our Father's business. Now, what is that business? Well, I think Paul summarized it well. Manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, patience, how to endure persecutions and afflictions. I think those are all really important things. Let God do that. If you're not a Christian here today, I can tell you this. All you see is what's in front of your face concerning eternity. 
But God's got a better deal for you. Not just that your sins can be forgiven and that you can spend your eternity with him in heaven, but that you would be, you'd be seeing through the eyes of your father. You see, God wants to reveal to you hidden treasure. And in this world we live in, you, me, we need that. Oh, I have so many times I've said in my life, oh, if I'd only known that's the way it was going to turn out, I'd have never done that. God says, I want to bring you to the point where before you do it, I'll show you the end result. Hmm. That's great. But then also think about this. When you lead somebody to Christ and when you're in heaven someday and you see that person in heaven and they come up and shake your hand and say, thank you for sharing faith with me. Thank you for bringing me to church. Thank you for bringing me over that cup of cold water or that sack of oranges or mowing my lawn when I broke my foot that made me think that all Christians aren't on the take. Thank you. Your reward will be forever. I've had people tell me, I don't care about rewards in heaven. All I want to get there is by the skin of my teeth. That might be true, and all I can tell you is this. You may not care about rewards today in heaven, but you will be when you get there, and you'll be glad you're getting some. Wisdom comes from God's word. When you read his word, and again, as he says here, salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. The vehicle in which gives us that wisdom as we read God's word is that salvation. A new person, seeing God for who he is, and then as he says, through faith. This morning, do you have faith in God? You see, that's one of the great questions. If you're not a Christian, you can be. It isn't a progressive work. It is something God does that fast. I like that. The Bible says we are born again. We pass from death unto life. It's not a progression. Well, you know, after maybe 20 years, maybe you'll, you know, hit nirvana and somehow you'll cruise and you'll be where you're supposed to be. No, that's not what it says. He says immediate. That's what God does. Immediate. I like that. You know, I do like sometimes things that happen quick. And when Jesus said, you must be born again, friends, being born is something, is the decision you make. This morning, if you've never repented of your sins, and what I mean by sins is this, living life my way. I'm selfish. I want to do it my way, only to end up at the end of your life in regret. That all your life that you lived has no eternal value. God says, I'm going to do something new in your life today. And I'm going to give you my heart today. I'm going to give you my insight today. I'm going to give you my wisdom today to help you through the rest of this life and the life to come. That's why the Bible says to lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven. This morning, if you've never prayed, if you've never repented, you've never asked Christ in your life, you've never said, God, I want to know. I want to see life through your eyes. We're going to pray right now. And you can ask Christ to come in your life and let God change you. The Bible says he will. You see, this reason Jesus died on the cross is to separate us from our past. And if there's anything that will hold you back more in this life, it's your past. David said, Lord, your promises are new every morning. This morning, if you've never prayed, we're going to pray right now. Repeat this. Mean it from your heart, and God will do as you ask. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. 
I have recognized I live my life without you. And I've been in this me, selfish generation. And I repent from that. It's not made me happy. It's not given me any peace. There's always a a longing in my soul for something else. Father, come into my life this day. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. So now fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me. Give me that wisdom that comes from you and from your word. And thank you for writing my name in your book of life. I can spend eternity with you. Never to be scared of dying ever again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.